my voiceovers fit into a particular company or brand. We're trying our plant-based items and they couldn't wrap their head around the fact that it wasn't actually seafood. What do you know about a platypus? It's an animal that cannot be defined very easily. People are not always easily defined. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You just heard some snippets from our show, which was really crazy and fun and a great show. So stay tuned for the rest of it. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property attorney specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurism, where we talk with entrepreneurs, innovators, and talk to them about the intellectual property that helps them flourish, among other things. So tonight, we have a very special guest. Her name is Jody Krangle, and she's a voiceover artist, which is absolutely perfect for a radio show. And we really look <laughs> forward to hearing what she has to say. Yeah. And then we have two incredible presenters. Like we always love to talk about how we really have tried to focus this show on innovation. And I think both these people are very innovative. And first we have Monica Talbert with plant-based seafood. Which, yum, yum. Yeah. I, I really want to find out a lot more about this. And then uh, Miriam Younger with My Platypus LLC which is an incredible platform for people with disabilities. And I'm not going to say anymore. We're going to let them do the talking. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for da, 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 Richard's Roundtable <laughs> and the IP in the news segment. So please, Elizabeth, who is on the chopping block tonight? Amazon has a patent application that they filed. So it hasn't issued as a patent yet. They're fighting it through the patent office still. They'll probably get it allowed. They also filed what's called a PCT application, which means that they can file in a bunch of different countries in Europe when, when they're ready to. It's basically robotic arms that throw packages around. <laughs> <laughs> so is this like invented by teenage boys? I mean, it's just like, and you're just getting this big visual of walking into an Amazon warehouse with its packages just flying all over the place. Well, yeah, they do have like package detection systems so they don't crash into each other. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just, and they have this picture and it shows one like getting thrown into a truck somehow. I don't know. Well, so I mean, I can just imagine like that if you have a employee who's having a bad day or something, you, you threaten to throw packages at them, right? Until they <laughs> get their act back together. So. <laughs> but if they're doing it, there must be a good reason for it. I guess it takes the place of conveyor belts or something. I don't know. But yeah. anyway. Well, um, if, if you ever happen to uh, be having a, a slow moment, you want to entertain yourself, go look up this patent application. And it's got this big robotic arm holding a package. Pretty funny looking picture. Anyway, <laughs> time for round the round table, table now. So Jody, what do you think about all this? Uh, well, I think probably Amazon is the person to want to throw packages around since <laughs> they do a lot of uh, deliveries and such. <laughs> I wonder, actually, I'm curious if that patent would also allow them to use drones in order to deliver packages, or is it just within their warehouse using arms? <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe they use this to throw the drones into the air with the packages. <laughs> you could have two technologies at once. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I, I don't think I want Amazon coming into my home without me being there. <laughs> so well, I don't you know. know. <laughs> they, they have like automatic newspaper throwers, right? If you know, they throw newspapers out on the driveway. So maybe that's how they're going to deliver packages in the future. I, I they better be much more wrapped if they're going to be doing that. <laughs> Yeah, that's no what kidding. she was saying earlier too. We yeah. were talking about this. Was, I'm like, well, lots of times Amazon overpacks, like they, they put like one tiny thing with a bunch of bubble wrap <laughs> in a box that is like five times too big. And it then it gets silly. And yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, I got this big thing. And then you open it up and it's like, oh, it's cat food. So Kenya, do you have any thoughts about this? Things like this are cool, but it always worries me that it's going to replace humans. Right. And I was actually in Sam's club a couple of weeks ago doing some shopping 
shopping and I saw a robot that was stocking the shelves and it was detecting who was in the store. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of this. So I was like, it's cool, but I don't know. It's like, we're, we're going into that whole I am robot era. The only problem is they always break down. You always have to have a human come and fix them unless they can train robots to fix them. But good point. I think I see that in my local grocery store too. And I, I always kind of I don't see it restocking shelves, but it's just like kind of wandering around watching me. They have this weird <laughs> robot thing in our grocery store that just floats like it, it wheels around and gets in the way and everything. And it's like, what is it for? I guess it's looking for spills. I don't know. It's your robot overlords. Checking uh, I think I, I, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. When they start saying, yep can't buy that too fatty. You know, <laughs> you have too much junk food in your cart. Then we should be worried. <laughs> so Miriam. I love innovation. So for me, I think about it. I love the idea that it might prevent injury. It's an innovative way to help promote safety for the future. I think change is always difficult for people, but I like it. That's a wonderful point. And I imagine that's part of the reason they're doing it is they want to reduce accidents and bad backs and all of those kinds of things that lifting yeah, heavy things, right? You know, then humans lifting. don't have to do it. When I heard <laughs> you say great. throwing things around, that's the first thing as a mom that comes to my mind is like, oh, someone's going to get hurt. You know? Right. <laughs> well, I do You're going to poke say, your eye out. <laughs> I, do say, I do have to say, we do have a dumb waiter in our house that goes from the garage to the kitchen for groceries. And I'll tell you, we didn't know that we, if we would use it that much, we use it multiple times every yeah, day. It's not a person. It's not a dumb waiter. It's, they know it's what a, a dumb, dumb one waiter is. is. It's a miniature elevator. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't know one was until you said you wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, anyway let's keep going. I, I had to look it up on the internet and there's not a lot of dumbwaiter references, by the way. So Monica, please contribute to this conversation. Sure. I mean, I don't think this surprises me at all. This is the way of the future. You know, Kenya brought up the, the robot in the grocery stores, but there's also robots. Actually, I just saw in uh, celebrity chef Kathy Fang's restaurant in San Francisco, there is a robot waiter that brings the food to the table. And there's also so many startups that are working on automation in the grocery store as well, like in the back of the inventory and picking and pulling drones. They're 100% coming to Amazon. That's definitely in the future. So this is right in line. I'm actually just kind of, you know, surprised it took this long, maybe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. If you follow Elon Musk, Elon Musk, I think says that, you know, so many jobs will be replaced by robots. So again, I think that this is just right online with where we're headed. Yeah. Maybe we can get robots to do all the work and we can just chill out all the time. So, well, someone needs to fix the robots, right? Like there's all yeah. sorts of jobs that that will be created because of this too. It's just, there'll be different jobs. That's all. Yeah. Robots right. will fix the robots. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be our robot overlords. Yeah, <laughs> careful of that one. I think it's interesting because I don't think everything will be able to be replaced by robot. Even when you mentioned the servers, I think that's interesting because that personal touch when you go out to eat, things like that, I'm not so sure it's going to be so easily replaceable. There's a lot of talk of synthetic voices. So that again is IP in the aspect of that's my intellectual property. And I don't want anyone taking that without my consent. And there's a lot of cloning and text-to-speech and all of this stuff that's going on right now too. And it's kind of it's kind of the Wild West right now. I've been working with a company called Open Voice Network, which is sponsored by Linux. And they're doing a lot of studies on this and talking about it, ethical considerations and working out contracts between software engineers and voice actors and stuff like that. So there's like all of this, it, it's all coming. We know it's coming. <laughs> we just need to be able to protect ourselves, make sure that it's ethically done. And whether it's robots in the grocery stores or people cloning voices, you need to be aware of the legal ramifications and everything that goes along with that. That makes me think of a question for Richard. Richard, can someone trademark or patent the, the use of their voice? That would probably be more in line with copyright protection. I think you can trademark sounds, but they tend to be short and associated with a different brand. I think copyright protection would probably be the avenue that people would pursue. And then obviously if there's technology behind generating the voice that may be protectable with a patent. But interesting question. I mean, this is kind of the Wild West done from a legal perspective as well. We have to take a short break. We'll be right back. This has been a 
fascinating discussion and I've really enjoyed myself and I hope that the robot overlords are pleased. If not, we won't be coming back, but we will. So (laughs) we'll be back right after this commercial. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Jody Krangle is a voiceover artist. When you hear commercials or when you hear people in the background speaking, it's people like Jody. And it really does require a very special level of skill to be able to do those kinds of things well. And she's had a fantastic success. So welcome to the show, Jody. You talk a lot about audio branding. What is that and why is it important? Audio branding is a larger umbrella under which your on-hold music, the music you use on your videos, the voiceover you use, any sonic logo that you might put together, all of these things are under that umbrella. And what it is, is it's the thing that gives people that split second idea of who you are as a company or as a brand. And it's really fast and it's really deep. It really, it gets to our heart. That's how audio works for us as human beings. So it gives us the emotional context of where your company fits into our lives. Amazing. So can you give us some examples of that, for example? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's there's all sorts of ways that this is used. I mean, McDonald's has used it with their da-da-da-da-da. Like but that started as a huge song. It started as a Justin Timberlake song, right? And then they started oh. using not Justin Timberlake on it, but someone else, and they were only letting you hear the chorus. And then it got boiled down to those notes because those were what triggered the recognition in you on a regular basis. And they and, didn't have to yeah. pay Justin Timberlake as much well, because there is it's just yeah. using the first couple measures of the song, that right? Is, yeah, that is very <laughs> big. I actually, on the podcast, talk with music licensing people as well. And a lot of times a company will use a famous song, but they may have it performed by a lesser known artist. First of all, so that they can allow it to fit their creative a lot more closely but also so that they can not have to pay the performance royalties for that particular song, which is a lot less expensive than just licensing the use of that, you know, mechanical use. There's all sorts of ways to do this. And, you know, people go to audio branding companies and they get a Sonic logo done. My voiceovers fit into a particular company or brand in that usually the type of voice that you would hire for a product or service you'd almost want to use the voice that your clients have. So you'd kind of want to reach out to your clients on their level by being who they think their audience is. And it doesn't have to work that way, but for instance, when you're going through and you're trying to figure out what music to use for your brand, you can choose a music piece that you like. Yeah, sure, you can do that and that you think represents your company. But if you're not thinking about your end client, and who they are and what they like at the same time, you're kind of missing out on on a good part of the point. Your end user avatar, the person who your business is for, who are those people? Who are you reaching out to and what music do they like? So if I'm a small business owner and I get my logo with the little jingle with it, do I put that on my website so it plays when people go to my website or like, how would you use it? I would use it actually for the beginning or the ending of a video that you put on your website. I wouldn't necessarily put it as something that automatically plays on your website because Mm -hmm. you don't know where people are experiencing your website. So 
they may be in an environment where they need quiet, you know, or, right. or they're at work and they're not supposed to be looking at this. Oh, they're logging on to Amazon again. <laughs> yeah. You just, you never know, right? So right. And personally, you know, I've been involved in, in the internet since the beginning, like 1995. And if something plays automatically, it annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I noticed too, like on the little videos in the news feeds and stuff, they're always on mute. So if you go to open one and look at it, you have to unmute it. But I want to go to Kenya because Kenya knows way more about sound and sound advertising than Richard and I do. So she can, I'm sure, ask much more intelligent <laughs> questions. Thank you for that. I don't know if I have anything really intelligent to say. I do want to know how you got started in this line of work. Well, I have always been interested in voice. My my parents are very musical. And when I was a kid, we had uh, sing-along time, not story time. <laughs> so um, my dad plays guitar and my mom sings. And so the family would gather on one of our beds before bedtime and have a, like a sing along. And that was that was every day. Like that was the regular thing in our house. So we've always been very musical. In 1995, I volunteered my time at the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And I was reading articles onto reel to reel tape for the blind at the time. And I was struck by, first of all, the fact that voiceover existed because I honestly didn't even know it was a thing until then. And it's funny because voiceover is one of those things that you don't really think about unless you're in the know, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things that just doesn't impress itself upon you until you meet someone who does it or you really, something really impresses you about a commercial or some reading of some kind. And it just doesn't impress until you get in the know. So I had a lot to learn, but I let it percolate for a long time because I was in internet marketing and SEO, search engine optimization, for many, many years. Like I said, I'm an early adopter of the internet. So I had a website, a songwriting resource, actually, that I was promoting on the internet on a dime. I had no money at all. <laughs> and so I learned a ton about how to do that. And then I went out on my own and helped other companies do that because I kind of knew a thing or two by then. But in 2007, Google was the only game in town and I got really bored. <laughs> and I've said this a lot, but things happen when I get bored. I decided that I was going to switch my focus. I had had this voiceover dream in the back of my head for a long, long time. It had been percolating, and I just thought this was the perfect time to give it a shot. And I knew absolutely nothing. So I went online, and my first instinct was to go to a message board. So it was not to be asking anything local, it was immediately to go global. Oh. <laughs> so that's what being raised in the era of the internet does, right? Where are it, you located, Jody? Are I'm you north of Toronto. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, so you, yeah. you say in your notes here that sound can influence the way things taste. It's a fascinating study, actually. I had Steve Keller, who is the SiriusXM Sonic Strategy Director over there. They deal with Pandora and SiriusXM and Stitcher and all of that stuff. And they have an advertising agency, Studio Resonate, very, very innovative. Studio Resonate did a promotion for Propel, the energy drink, mm -hmm. in the before times, <laughs> before COVID. <laughs> Uh, I think it was 2018 or something like that. And they had these DJ stations set up with the drink and an iPad, and you were listening to something in your earphones. And you could dial on this iPad whether you wanted the drink to taste saltier or sweeter, because it's an energy drink, so it can be either, right? And people were actually experiencing a different taste by what they were hearing in their ears. I definitely think that people should not use sound as an afterthought. It should be part of your production from the very beginning. And it all works together. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest, Jody Krangle. You're an introvert and a business mm -hmm. owner, and you don't sound like an introvert. And Richard considers himself an introvert mm -hmm. and a business Except owner. Except when I'm at home and you say I talk too much. Well, you do talk a lot. Um, <laughs> but what's the difference between being shy and being an introvert? A lot of introverts have to put themselves out there because if you're a business 
business owner, you're a marketer. Immediately, oh, yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be out front, but you don't have to be out front all the time. <laughs> That's the thing for introverts. It's really all about how you regain your energy. So when I'm being an introvert, I start off the day with a certain amount of energy. And then as I go through my day, I expend it. So that doesn't make me shy necessarily. It just means that I don't want to schedule too many forward facing things one after the other because I need mm -hmm. recovery time, right? right. <laughs> I need right. to, I need peace and quiet. I need to watch Netflix and chill or something. I just need to like relax for a little bit before I go to my next outward facing thing. For extroverts, they start off the day with nothing and they gain it as they spend time with people. It's an opposite thing, but once you know how you operate, you can make your business work around that. And that's what I've managed to do because I schedule in my downtime as much as I schedule my out front time. I'm a musician, mm -hmm. I'm a singer, I spend my days with sound all around me, but when I am taking my downtime, I need absolute silence. It's okay. one of those things that I don't know why it is, but I think it's because I analyze things too much. So if I'm listening to a song and I'm listening to the lyrics and I'm listening to the tune and all of this, I'm like analyzing, oh, why did they do that? Oh, I like that. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. We need to let Kenya talk. I want to know if she's an introvert or an extrovert. Ooh, first Kenya? Of, yeah. Oh. I, I feel like I'm a little bit of both and I'm not sure if that's possible. Depending on the sure situation, I don't want to use the word shy because I don't want to speak that over myself, but I'm more like introverted. And then depending, like if I'm really comfortable with you, then I will not stop talking. So I think I'm a little <laughs> bit of both. I, I had a question about the Sonic logo, though, because I don't feel like we have enough conversations around that. And I don't think a lot of people know what that is. I think they confuse it with a jingle when mm. it's it's really not a jingle. No. It's it's different. So could you just explain the difference? Well, a jingle is a whole song, really. So it and it's a song that you hear over and over again in a commercial. So I, I'm sure that many of us have jingles we remember from 30, 40 years ago, <laughs> if you're that old. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but the Sonic logo is a little more of a bite sized thing. So it's like you're looking at your logo and looking at a logo visually takes two seconds. Like it's, that's what it is, right? So the audio version of that is three to five notes. Like it's really short. And, you know, for McDonald's, we heard what that was. It's also dun, 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 dun. Like that's, you know, the, the Intel thing, right? There's a mm -hmm. whole bunch of these. But at the same time, as important as that can be, it's not audio branding. It's not the whole thing of audio branding. It's one of the pieces. It's one of the components. And not everyone is going to have them. So it's not necessary per se, but it's nice to have if you're a larger company and you're doing a lot of advertising and you want that little extra something something on the end of your videos or your commercial and it's very memorable and you consistently use it. None of these are effective unless you consistently use it. Consistent repetition is where advertising shines. That's what you need in advertising. I totally agree. I was just going to mention that MasterCard has been using Sonic logos recently. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I'm seeing them more frequent. And I got to say, I don't think iHeart has one yet, which is like, if we're branding ourselves as the number one audio company, I, I'm pretty you sure should we have should have one. Or you, should. one. <laughs> you know yeah. what? If you want, I can sing. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually was interviewing the person who made the music for the MasterCard branding. And he's been on my uh, podcast and he's a jazz flautist from India, really talented guy. And uh, yeah, it was it was fascinating because a lot of what he talked about, they make what are called mogos. So they're like tiny little logos between three and five seconds. And they use a lot of these in MasterCard. Sound is so important. We recently went on vacation and we were a little... <laughs> disappointing because they were doing construction and there was this horrific noise the whole time. But the other oh, thing no. that I know, the other thing we really missed was we weren't on a part of the ocean where you could really hear the waves crashing into the shore. And that's Richard was saying, I wanted to hear these waves because that's what we experienced in Cancun and Puerto Rico. So that sound was a very important part of the vacation for us. And I can always find something to complain about. So <laughs> Me too. the construction was well, like, yeah. so anyway, Jody, it's been 
been a pleasure having you on. And I Thank you. now, and you sound great, by the way. <laughs> how can people get in touch with you? How can they find their podcasts and how can they hire you for voiceovers? My website is at voiceoversandvocals.com. And if you're interested in the podcast, it's at audiobrandingpodcast.com. Pretty simple. I also talk on Clubhouse on a weekly basis. So I don't know if uh, a lot of people know about that, but it's a social audio network. And I'm there um, usually every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And we have discussions all the time, just for an hour, about the power of sound and any of those aspects I was talking about that I talk about on the podcast. Well, sounds great. And we'll be back with more Passage <laughs> to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent trademark and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your your business, all of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We just had an amazing sounding guest, Jody Krangle. If you missed it, you can go and check it out on our podcast and also go to the Passage to Profit website. You'll have access to all of our podcasts and you'll see our affiliate stations. So Passage to Profit is now syndicated nationally in over 30 markets. So we're very happy and pleased about that. And go to our YouTube channel because we always get the best looking people on this show. Absolutely. Now it's time for Power Move. So Kenya, please. For Power Move today, we're going to talk about R&B superstar Ashanti. She is actually the first woman of color who has become an owner in Web3 tech company. So Ashanti announced at South by Southwest that her partnership with Web3 tech company is launched and it allows artists and creators the opportunity to share and monetize their content. And it also allows fans to buy and sell NFTs of their favorite artists and creators. So they're also going to help artists and creators own equity and be able to build wealth. So I thought that was a big move for Ashanti, especially in the world of NFTs, where I think we're all trying to still figure out what all that is and how it all works. But I love to see that happen for her. The Web3, I did a little bit of research on that. It's supposed to be using the web the way that you use the blockchain, right? And people get paid for the contributions they make. So people have been complaining for a long time that marketers just take their data and use it. And I think the Web3 is a way for people to get paid for that. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, I might sell my blood pressure and wait to somebody for the right price. <laughs> okay, okay, moving on. Moving so, on. What's so, going on with Fireside? So congratulations yeah. to Shanti, though. That's very brilliant. Fireside, I'm talking to the person I picked to do my website today. So I kind of got hung up because my group I was working with were like, you don't know what you want your website to do. And I was like, but I do know what I want she it to knows. do. I'm... And so I kind of got bogged down. They're like, well, you you have to be able to present it to a developer in India. And I was like, but isn't that what like the website designer guy does for me? <laughs> and so anyway, so I've gotten past that hurdle now and I've picked somebody to do my website and we're supposed to have a meeting this afternoon to get started on it. And this guy, the reason I picked him is he really understands it. He did a video with me. He really understands what I'm trying to do. He understands how to do it, but he also understands what investors would look for. And my goal with this is to build it up, scale it as much as I can, and then sell it by 2030. Well, well we're going to be here doing passage to profit when we're in our 80s. Are we? <laughs> well, I plan to, to be want to here. Listen to us we'll, just, we'll just do it from the nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that is, that is Fireside. But now we are on to our presenters. So Monica Talbert, which I think what she has is very cool. And I do really want to try it. It's plant-based seafood. 
So please tell us all about it. So plant-based seafood, you know, our little elevator pitches, we make healthy and delicious seafood experiences made from plants uh, so close to the real thing that it will blow your mind. Um, and our brand is mind blown. So that's actually how we got the name for that. We're trying our plant-based items and they couldn't wrap their head around the fact that it wasn't actually seafood and that it was made from plants. We started with shrimp. Uh, we wanted to recreate a delicious, uh, popular seafood experience for consumers. And so we thought shrimp is one of the number one, you know, consumed uh-huh. seafood in the U.S. So start off with shrimp. We did a crunchy coconut shrimp, also a, a dusted or breaded shrimp, went on to innovate with a scallop and also crab cakes. So our thing is we want to recreate not just a raw shrimp or a raw scallop. We want to recreate the actual seafood experience for consumers. Um, so we find a lot of people that for whatever reason are, are going towards a plant-based lifestyle um, or, you know, they're vegan or, you know, they have a shellfish allergy. The last thing that this it's so hard for them to give up is, is seafood. So we focus a lot on, on that whole seafood experience and our background is in seafood. So I've been in the real seafood industry for 20 years. So yeah. So what kind of plants are you using? So each is different, just like each sea creature is so different, has different textures and flavors. You know, our, our crab cake has artichoke hearts, hearts of palm, textured wheat protein, our shrimp and scallop. That's, you know, everyone asks what's in that because it, it truly has that bounce back that that's the thing that kind of freaks people out. Sometimes it's just, it's very close to the real thing. And that's konjac uh, root. So that is a root vegetable that's grown in mostly in Asia, but tropical mountainous um, environments. And it's actually been used for thousands of years uh, in Chinese traditional medicine for medicinal purposes. But when it's put into a powder form, and you mix it with water, <clears throat> heat it up, cool it down, it, it becomes a, a like a gelatin. Mm. So mm-hmm. it gives it the spring and, and the bounce back. Wow. Honest. That's just like an impossible shrimp, right? It's, um, <laughs> you know, well, it, 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 I think though, like your marketing, it's sometimes hard to break into this, but there've already been plant-based burgers, but people have been eating imitation crab meat for since I was a little kid, right? Really? Right? Yeah. yeah. They use white fish and make imitation crab meat. It tastes just like crab, right? So already got that going. So are you finding a big market for this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many people that are looking to decrease the amount of, of meat that they're eating, whether that's red meat, I think it started with red meat, right. And that's where beyond an impossible really came out. Um, so we've been told all of our lives, we need to decrease the amount of red meat. We hear that all the time. And one thing, actually a challenge that we've had is so many consumers, you know, we're told to eat more seafood. And mm-hmm. so in the beginning, that was the number one question. We're like, I don't understand why we would need plant-based seafood if we're told to eat more seafood. But I think people are starting to wake up to more things that are happening with the seafood that we eat. Mm-hmm. Um, 90% of what we consume in the U.S. is imported and less than 2% is actually inspected by the FDA um, and like less than 0.1% is actually tested. And um, a lot of chemicals are put into the seafood. Um, it changes many, many hands. There's, you know, different human rights issues that go on. And so we want to offer a sacrifice-free, easy choice for consumers uh, for whatever reason they have for, for choosing, you know, a plant-based item. And we want to make it as delicious as possible. So, you know, I'll never forget when a couple of years ago, I changed my diet. I decided I was going to just have like one piece of red meat per week, and I was going to eat fish the rest of the time. And I ran to my trainer. I said, look at, I changed my diet. I got rid of the red meat. I'm eating your fish. And he said, well, just watch out for the mercury content because that'll kill you. Yeah, those farmed fish. I mean, the so this sounds like yeah. a perfect solution to yeah. that problem. You know, with the population is exploding, the increase of demand in seafood is absolutely exploding. And it's really, it's going to eventually be a food security issue. So we have aquaculture that exists just purely because we're overfishing our oceans, right? So we need right. to have a, a gap, you're trying to fill in the gap. Um, but even aquaculture can't keep up with the demand uh, because of the increased population. You have China and India's middle class it's exploding. They're going to eat seafood more often. And so there's got to be other alternatives that are part of the solution. And that's how we see plant-based seafood. Jody, I'm familiar with uh, the cognac because of uh, miracle noodles and that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like th- that's what they use for zero carb noodles to have instead. So yeah. And I, it, 
totally works. I, I can, I can see how this would be pretty awesome. <laughs> Con- yeah. Those contract noodles have been helping people, I think, get off pasta for quite yes. some time. Mm-hmm. It helps a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kenya. One of the first things I thought of going back to the whole Sonic uh, logo thing was when you said seafood, I thought, remember, it's the Gordon's Fisherman. <laughs> so you should totally you know, figure yeah. that out for yourself because that, that stuck in my head. The one thing I was going to say also, too, is that, you know, I've been struggling with my weight for the past couple of years. And six months ago, I started doing what what's called the Daniels fast. And it's it got me to go towards a plant based mm-hmm. model of food. And to date, I've lost 43 pounds going. Wow. Wow. Like wow. The one thing I haven't been able to give up, though, is seafood. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy that you've come to the market with this because that's been like my crutch for substituting meat. But I have to tell you, I feel so much better. And it's the first time I've actually have seen the scale move significantly in years. And I've tried everything. I've gone to the doctors. I've tried pills, everything. But this, the plant-based thing really helped my glycemic levels. I'm coming to your house for dinner, Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's so true. I mean, we hear about that all the time. You know, one, it's the hardest thing to give up. But two, you know, moving towards a plant-based lifestyle, not only is it weight loss, but you just feel lighter. A lot of consumers and customers even say, like their brain fog has gone away and they just overall feel better. Well, I'm sold on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty foggy up here sometimes. (laughs) That's interesting because like I was trying this low glycemic high protein diet and my body just couldn't handle all the protein. And a lot of it was animal, but I think maybe plant-based is the way to go. It, it sounds interesting. I'm definitely curious and want to explore in terms of carbs out of the shrimp and plant-based seafood. How does that stack up nutritionally? Well, seafood in general doesn't have a lot of carbs. Um, but when you, add, if you're adding bread or to it or like our coconut batter and things like that, that'll obviously, you know, add carbs. Like I said, we're all about the seafood experience. Where do we get them? That's what I was going to ask you. Where, where can we get these? So we're sold online. If you go to plantbasedseafoodco.com. Uh, we direct you to everywhere it's sold, veggie.com, GTFO, um, soon be on, you know, fresh direct. We're just starting our national retail rollout. So right now we're in LA and Chicago, just about to launch in New York and in uh, Austin and Dallas, Texas. But the fastest way is, is online. And we'll be back with more Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, Contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We are on to our next presenter who's been waiting patiently. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. Miriam Younger, and she has My Platypus LLC, which is an app for people. And I'm going to let her explain it. So please tell us all about it. So the app is actually called You Platypus. The app is You Platypus. That name of the company is My Platypus LLC. What it is, is I am actually a matchmaker and I have been matching people, um, people have to meet, uh, you know, get married and so on. And I've worked with some people who had disabilities and they had a very, very difficult time on applications. I have news that everybody has difficulty on apps. I believe the entire app system is very broken. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> um, and, and it really, honestly, it's something I, I'm very passionate about because I feel like everybody who's single knows what this feels like. They go on these apps and they're swiping, 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 swiping. And it's purely superficial based on the photo. And you know what? Half the time photos don't even look like that. People doctored up their photos. They don't even look like that. And it's really sad because I truly believe the more options, the less people are meeting. 
the less opportunity. Mm -hmm. Too many ideas, you walk away with nothing. And you mm -hmm. can watch some of these guys, they're just swiping, swiping 70 times, you know, in, in two minutes, three minutes, people are swiping through. They don't know anything about a person. And what I found when I work with people, I always, I had the most success when I limited you know, and I try to really get more value-based than the photo kind of thing. So I'm taking my matchmaking experience and I wanted to really help people within the disabled community. There's very few people helping. Just recently now, they're really recently, I've seen a whole bunch of new apps coming out for the disabled community. Unfortunately, they're still based on the picture and the swiping. I wanted to do it differently, and I have. And I created an app that's based on first uh, a description of the person. It's put mm -hmm. in a fun way. Um, you have to make a conscious decision whether or not that person is good based on their description. And if you want to go forward, then you do get a you know a photo. And within the disabled uh -huh. community, it's it's such a, a variety of type of disabilities. There are a billion people in the world with disabilities. And in the country, the number, it's about one in five, I believe. You might can look that up. It's quite a large group. Unfortunately, my app will not be able to be utilized by all, but there's a tremendous amount of people that, you know what, we can help introduce people. It's not a dating app. It's a connection app. So what kinds of disabilities then would be associated with your app? A lot of different people could be the users. People think of disabilities in many ways, and I want you to know the disability community is probably the largest minority group with the least amount of influence almost mm -hmm. because they're siloed into different groups. Mm -hmm. So you have people who are perhaps like an Asperger or something, but fantastic careers and completely wanting to enjoy relationships with people. You may have somebody who's wheelchair bound. You may have somebody who doesn't look like they have any kind of disability at all, but maybe they have certain minor disabilities. Sometimes people have like a attention deficit that, you know, really is a disability for them. There are people that may have a cochlear implant, or maybe they mm -hmm. have a visual disability. And then there are disabilities again, that uh, maybe someone has epilepsy or everyone is siloed into these different groups. And I think it's really important for people to have the opportunity to meet all people. You know, the app is also for people. I really think it's critical. And this is where I really feel like the innovation is, is that people truly are open to meeting people with disabilities as well from mm -hmm. the non-disabled world. Because one thing mm -hmm. I've heard loud and clear, many, many people who will label themselves disabled or are disabled don't want to just date disabled. People are people and it's about getting to know people, meeting people, and if you have common values. I was very inspired by a woman who has no disabilities and she married a gentleman who's a fantastic guy with cerebral palsy. And they've had mm. and raised two amazing children. She said, Miriam, I want you to go with this because this is something nobody's doing. It's big and you've got to do it. And I just kind of got inspired. And that's so really great. So I want to go back to a point you made that this isn't so much a question as making this point stand out stronger, that the real unique thing about your app is that you read the person's description. You don't see him. I think that that's really important. And I think that that's really something that can be stressed is that you get to kind of know the person before you see them. And then maybe your judgment will change when you see them, but maybe not. And, and, and I want you to know, I believe that it changes people's brain chemistry because I, I'm not a scientist, but, <laughs> but I will tell you when I work with clients that in the past, they got so many suggestions. They just keep, it's a FOMA, fear of missing out. They keep going for like, prettier, prettier, or, you know, whatever the career, whatever they're looking for, it's more extreme. And they really do end up with nothing. I present my people on a door and on the door is the outside. It tells you a little bit about that individual mm -hmm. and you have to decide because you have a limited amount of keys ah. and you have to make a conscious decision. Do I want to open that door for that person? That's Thank very you. innovative. Imagine judging person on their character and not on the way they look. And I'm going to tell you what, Richard, Richard, what happens is if you open the door, let's say you open the door six, seven times and you're, let's say you're looking for um, something more, not just friendship, but you're something more, you're opening the door and the person isn't your look. 
the next person isn't your look. By the seventh or eighth person, when someone's somewhat your look, you're open to talking. It really does change the way people, opposed to looking for impossible beauty and impossible, which I see every day. And, and I'm telling you, this is innovative, and but this is going to change a lot in the way people meet. And I'm very, very motivated because like I said, I've worked with uh, a lot of different couples and people, and I believe this is a group that has been ignored largely. Yes. And I've seen it. I just want to know how you came up with the company name. <laughs> we, we were going to talk about that. <laughs> and I right. want to hear that story. <laughs> so, so, I, I understood so, that platypuses were duck billed and not just plain platypuses. Yeah. Is, that, <laughs> is that true? Well, let me ask you this. What do you know about a platypus? Not I, much. <laughs> I, I think they're like duck billed in Australia and they're like in the water and stuff like that. Okay. So. It's an animal that cannot be defined very easily. It's right. an animal that lays eggs. It nurses its young. It's an animal that's not defined in a box. Hopefully none of you will forget the name you platypus when you're done. People are not always easily defined. Actually, we're all really unique. I don't like to put people in boxes, so. That's wonderful. Kenya. I think it's a wonderful platform that you've built. And I'm just curious, like, do people that participate on the platform, are they required to disclose a certain amount of information? What's the criteria? Just so you know, the application right now is being released in a week and a half, and we will be doing beta testing. And so to answer that question, what we do is we do have a lot of questions that are are up to the user to answer. We do let people answer more specific questions if they want, because there are some people that do want to meet for friendship, people with other disabilities that are similar mm -hmm. to them. You know, we give people an opportunity to answer how much they want to disclose or not, or whether people are open to datings or meeting people with disabilities or not. But the focus is absolutely uh, disability. Now, I want to say there is something else that makes us, I believe, completely different than every other app. And it may surprise you all, but when many people are seriously dating or meeting people, and I'm talking people without disabilities at all, a lot of people like to have have a friend or a parent. I can't even tell you half have moms involved when they're meeting. That's the thing. And I'm talking men as well. Richard, yeah, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, they get involved <laughs> at one point or another. That's Except for that sure. Your mom wasn't involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, and half, half of the people are like, either before no. or after. It's, you know. <laughs> half of the people are like, no way. I would never let my mom or dad or anybody get near my dating. Half. So I understand well, that and I respect that. That's how we met. Elizabeth and I, we were living in Michigan and we were set up on a blind date by a woman who knew both of us. And for me, it was love at first sight. Her, it took a little longer. <laughs> That's how it all started, right? And so this matchmaker thing, I think, can sometimes certainly work well, for us. Well, I can tell you this, though, Richard, the way you and I met or we met our spouses is not the way people date today or meet today. It's right. all app based. And, and I prefer the old way a hundred times, a hundred times, because you got to see a person as an entire person. I wanted to get back to what I was mentioning on my app. I have the ability for a user to invite a parent, advocate, friend, wingman, whatever you want for feedback that they can literally send. They cannot interact with other users, but they can actually send a profile to a parent or, again, a friend, get feedback and chat between each other. This is really, really, really useful. I've had people where I've worked with people who are, let's say, with like some mild Asperger. I know, you know, the definitions of, you know, on the autism spectrum, they change the terminology. But sometimes a little coaching is very useful for everybody. Forget about disabilities or not. It's incredibly useful. Yeah, it's very innovative. And I have the feeling it's going to be really popular. I think it's great. And what I is applaud your, you. What is your website? Youplatypus.com. And is that the app? Can you get the app on your phone and it's the same thing? Yes, we are right now having people sign up for the beta groups if people would like to be part uh, of the beta groups. And this is something that's truly community. It's so important. We need your feedback. We want your feedback. 
you know, we know that we're going to have to continually change to improve and always continue. So we would love to have everyone's feedback and people can sign up for the beta groups and get the information. Look for you platypus. And Which I think is a name. very trademarkable yeah. name for a dating well, I think site. David, we did trademark it. David at Your Heart Law <laughs> trademarked it. <laughs> <laughs> David helped you with some other things I see too. Congrats to everybody on here. Like you guys are doing amazing stuff. So Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Jody Krangle, and we will be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. What an amazing show. It was an absolutely amazing show. Who did we have? We had Jody Krangle, who is a voiceover artist, but she can tell you how to use audio in today's world to advance your business. And she hears at a very deep level. Yes, she does. So Jody Krangle, you can find her at voiceoversandvocals.com. If you missed her segment, the podcast is coming out tomorrow. I would strongly encourage any entrepreneur to listen to that because this is a really important marketing tool that not everybody's making good use of yet. And then we had Kenya Gibson talked about Power Move, about Ashanti. Then we had Monica Talbert with plant-based seafood. Really interesting and something that we are definitely going to try. I'm down for it. And you can find her information at plantbasedseafoodco.com. And then Miriam Younger, her company is My Platypus and her app is You Platypus. If you don't know how to spell platypus, I'll spell the whole thing out. It's U-P-L-A-T-Y-P-U-S. She has a way of putting people together that really is innovative and different than all the swipe apps and everything else. I mean, I think what she's doing is really powerful. I think Performing so relationships, finding the right relationship too. I love it because I agree just looking at profiles and stuff, that can't be a good way to meet people. No, right? she's, so I would definitely encourage everybody to check out this app. It's for people with disabilities, but I mean, maybe all the people that, aren't disabled that you've been meeting a real jerks and maybe you can find somebody <laughs> nice on this app. Anyway, before we go, I just like to ask our guest, Jody, thoughts for our audience before we sign off? I definitely think that people should not use sound as an afterthought. It should be part of your production from the very beginning because then you can craft video and music and sound and voice and whatever sound effects you want and it all works together cohesively as opposed to tossing on a music licensing piece of music at the end and i will say that one of the advantages of having an audio brand of your own is that instead of having to go and buy a piece of licensed music from a directory 50 times because you're making so much content mm -hmm. you have your own audio brand your own music that you can dynamically change for each piece of output that you're doing and it's not going to cost you as much over time. It may be a bit more of an upfront cost, but in the area of it being yours, first of all, so no one else can use it, and also not having to license 50 pieces at 50 bucks a piece <laughs> Right. every time you're doing I, a new thing. Right? And I'll just let everybody know that I'm available to sing for any <laughs> sonic label that you would like. Kenya? Yes, that's really funny. So I would describe today's show as mind-blowing. Very interesting conversation, very innovative conversation. You know, I love what Miriam's doing with her platform for disabled people and, you know, the dating community. I think it's very, very, very clever. And I love how Jody is innovating with audio and teaching people how to do that. I mean, now we're, we are in generation audio. So now is the time to be, you know, having those type of conversations and creating. And, and I, Monica, I really appreciate 
appreciate you doing something for us seafood lovers in the plant-based space. Now I have options and I just, I'm so excited. Kenya, thank you so much for being with us. Before we leave, I'd like to give a shout out to Noah Fleischman, our producer, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, and also our affiliate radio station. So thank you very much, our new audience. We really look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be back with another show next week.